welcome to the Broken Pie Chart Podcast, episode number 85, I think. I think it's 85. I'll be your host today. In fact, I'm your host every day, Derek Moore, on the Broken Pie Chart Podcast. So lately, I've seen a lot of people on CNBC saying valuations are too high. Other people say, well, given where interest rates are, I don't think valuations are too high. And some people say, I don't care how low interest rates are, valuations are still pretty high. But what does it mean or what's the effect of interest rates on stock prices? You know, does does it really matter that low prices, uh, not low price, low interest rates, does it matter that interest rates are so low? Uh, The quick answer is, yeah, it does. Yeah. Uh, And I'll, I'll talk through why that is, but let me just cut to the chase. Yeah, low rates... In fact, more specifically, the low risk-free rate, you know, the, the rate that you could get, let's say, on a 30-day treasury bond or uh, although they're not purely risk-free because you can have a change in interest rates that, that move around the market value. But you know, you've got bonds that are really low all across the, the spectrum. So, um, yeah, interest rates matter. They matter a lot. And they matter a lot because a lot of what is, you know, sort of the the underpinning of uh, of finance deals with how you value assets, how you value cash flows, and also the hurdle rates. The, the the idea that you have to get above a certain amount of return over your cost of capital. So yeah, all this matters. But um, when we think about why it matters, there's a couple of things. Yeah, low rates in theory allow for higher valuations. And I'll sort of explain that in a little bit. Uh, Your cost of capital, meaning if a company issues stock, what do those shareholders require from a returns perspective? What do they expect? What do bondholders, so a company wants to raise capital, they issue bonds, you know, what do they, what is it that they require on an interest rate? Uh, When cost of borrowing goes lower, that actually you know, lowers your borrowing cost, lowers your interest, your net interest payments, but it also lowers your overall cost of capital. And you know, we think about if your cost of capital is lower, it means it's easier to get a higher return on invested capital. In other words, you know, when companies make money and they, they take uh, the net income or they take profits, they can either pay it out 100% to, to shareholders, they can buy back stock, or they can reinvest it back in the business. Like, let's say you own a lemonade stand, and you're like, well, I've, you know, I made $1,000 this year. Well, you could pay that $1,000 out to quote-unquote shareholders or yourself, or you could take that, that let's say you take $800 of the 1000 and you buy another, you know, you set up another lemonade stand somewhere and you hire an employee and things like that. Well, the the cost of capital matters because let's say you make that investment let's say let's just round it up to a thousand because you know you've got it's easier for us to do math but you spend a thousand dollars on that uh, uh, that new lemonade stand and let's say you make you know a hundred dollars uh, you know net margin right after all your expenses and everything like that again just a crazy example I'm giving you well a hundred dollars is a, that's a 10% return on on the invested capital, right? Well, if your cost of capital is higher than that, well, then you're not even, you know, let's say 
you know, you borrowed that money and, and your interest rate's 11%. You need to get above 11% before you can uh, say, you know, it's a positive return. So, but anyway, so we'll kind of go through some of those things. But yeah, you know, this isn't to say that things are overvalued, undervalued. I'm just saying that interest rates do matter. They're, they are a foundational thing. They matter in many different places. And one of the things with the Federal Reserve keeping interest rates so long for so, you know, so low for so long is that you have had uh, different asset classes be able to run a, a lot higher. Um, and so we'll kind of bring this back to many people have bought a house, maybe looking at a house or refinanced, you know, that all goes into it. So first of all, why is it like, why do interest rates being low or high, how do they affect, let's say a stock valuation or just a, the value of an asset? Well, first of all, um, you have to look at a couple different things. Number one is one of the proxies that we use for for interest rates, we say, well, if an investor wants to put money into an asset, maybe it's a stock, maybe it's some other investment, a business, what could they get on a risk-free basis? In other words, with no risk. So one of the things that you do, you say, well, they could probably put their money in a U.S. Treasury bill or a Treasury note. And we know that, uh, you know, unless the U.S. decides to default on interest payments, which, of course, the U.S. controls the currency, they can always print more, they may devalue the currency, but in theory, right, they're not going to default on the payments, U.S. So right now, on a three-month treasury, you can get about 12 basis points. What does that mean? You can get, it's way less than 1%. It's 0.12%. Uh, on a six month, it's 13 basis points, which is 0.13. Uh, in fact, one year, two year, you know, basically three year, I'm looking at the, the treasury yield curve right now, is 0.14%. And the five year is 0.26%. Uh, 10 year is 0.68%. In fact, you can go 30 years. 30 years is 1.43%. So some of this you've heard there, the TINA, there is no other, there is no alternative. There you go. Um, but it just kind of goes to show you if interest rates, you know, imagine let's say the, the three-month treasury note rate was like 5%. And you might say, well, that seems really high. Well, it wasn't that high in the late two, late 90s, uh, even before I think 2007 or so, you had interest rates. You might remember getting like 5% in your bank account. So the, the the reason I bring that up is because on a risk you're always comparing an investment to what you could get on a uh, you know on a risk free basis, and you get nothing right now. And so if you get nothing right now, then that's going to obviously make the the required return on something else much less, right? Because if you can get five percent, you're not going to be happy with a five percent return when you have to take risk in let's say a stock. So. Yeah, the risk-free rate is down, and so that definitely affects things. Uh, the other reason why it affects things is people who do this for a living, where they, they do intrinsic valuation, they do discounted cash flows, just fancy way for saying when you're evaluating a company, whether it's Apple or Microsoft or uh, any number of these, these entities, and you say, well, I think they're going to earn this much income this year, this much income next year, this much income – 
where they do it off cash flows. Like you're gonna, this is the cash flow of the business over the next number of years. Um, you're valuing those future cash flows. And the thing is you have to discount down money that you're gonna get in the future by some rate of return that you've foregone. And so uh, the higher the interest rate, the, the lesser those future cash flows or earnings are worth. I'll give you kind of an example on this. Let's say somebody said, hey, I'm going to give you a dollar. You'd say, great, I'll take that dollar. That's, uh, that's exciting. I'll take that dollar, put it in my pocket. But what, what if somebody said, hey, I'll give you a dollar in 10 years. And you say, well, okay, um, that sounds great, I think. I'll look, you know, I'll put it on my calendar 10 years from now. You show up at my house, give me a dollar. But the thing is, that dollar is not that you're going to get in 10 years is not worth $1 today. And you have to, you know, you, you have to discount that, uh, that dollar by some rate of return or rate of interest. And so let's say that we use a discount rate of 10%. In other words, if you had the dollar today, and I'm not saying this is what you can get risk-free, obviously, I'm just going to do some quick math for you. But if you had uh, if you had a dollar and you could invest it and you think you can get ten percent, well, you don't get to to compound over each and every year for the next ten years because you don't have the money. You're not getting it for ten years, and so you, what you've got to do is take that dollar that you're going to get in ten years, um, and it's actually a dollar divided by one plus the rate, so that's one point one zero to the exponent of ten. Okay, just a fancy way of saying, uh, what's the val- What's the present value of a dollar you're going to get in the future, given discount rates are you know ten percent? And the reality is that dollar that you're going to get in ten years is only worth thirty cents, uh, the present value today. But here's where it gets interesting. Let's say we move the discount rate instead of ten percent, we move it to one percent. Well, you do the the present value where you discount down the value of the dollar. Uh, that you're going to get in year 10 today uh, by 1%. Um, now, in today's you know, present value, it's worth about 90 cents. So that's a, that's a 60 cent difference, right? 30 cents at 10%, 90 cents at, at 1%. So I bring this up because you can see that if you're looking at, if an analyst is looking at a company, by the way, analysts make projections. There's no... Even if you had, I could give you 10 years worth of projections on Tesla or Microsoft or Apple, and those can change. But basically, if, if you have a projection, you say they're going to have these cash flows, these earnings for the next 10 years, um, you can discount those down. Uh, you know, Two years earnings from now, you discount it down by, by the discount rate You know, for two years. The ones in year 10, you discount down by a discount rate uh, You know, 10 years forward. And so you can see that the lower interest rates are, the more that those future cash flows and earnings are worth. And in theory, if somebody's doing an intrinsic valuation, uh, a discounted cash flow valuation, and you're using a lower cost of capital or, or uh, discount rate, you can, you know, you can see the valuations be higher. Um, and where this gets really crazy is, you know, most analysts, what they do is they'll take they say, well, I, I think I can, I think there's going to be growth for the next five, seven, three, 10 years. And after that, I have to assume that the company is going to continue forever. And 
I've got to have a perpetual growth rate. So maybe they say, well, you know, it's going to grow at 3% a year perpetually, you know, from year 11 through the end of time, right? Infinity. And here's where little changes in that discount rate can make a, a huge difference in how you, the value of a company. In other words, if you think interest rates, you know, the, the risk-free rate or, or your cost of capital, right? I'll get to that in a second is going to be much lower for many, many years. Um, you know, that, that's, that's kind of a, an interesting assumption, right? So uh, anyway, yes, 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 yes. Low rates do affect, um, you don't know where rates are going to go in the future, right? And people who model this might, might change those. Um, how this specifically gets into the cost of capital is there's something, everyone's ever, ever taken a finance course, they have something called the WACC or WAC. It's a weighted average cost of capital. And basically, if you were going to start a company, you would do what? Well, you could issue share. I mean, you can get investors, right? But let's say you're, you're you've gone public and you know you've you've issued shares. Those shareholders, in theory, uh, based upon the risk of the company, they require or expect a certain amount of return. And then bondholders, when they issued bonds and they buy bonds, right? Uh, based upon the risk of the company and another, you know, it, current interest rates, those bonds require a certain rate of return, a rate of interest, I should say. And so the quick back of the napkin on this is let's say, um, and by the way, the, the cost of equity, um, it's it's out of the scope of this uh, this podcast, but basically it's, you know, if you use the textbook definition, it's uh, they call it the capital asset pricing model. You take the risk-free rate plus the beta times the equity risk premium. Uh, I won't get into all that. Uh, but let's say, you know, the, the cost of uh, capital for stocks is 10% and the cost of uh, uh, capital for, for bonds for this company is 3%. And the company, you know, it's like 50-50, right? Easy math. So, 50% of the capitalization of the company is made up of, of stock that's out there, equity, and the other 50% in, in bonds that are issued. And so if you have a 10 and a 3%, the cost of capital is about 7.5%, okay? But beyond, beyond the scope of what we're going to do. So the point is that uh, that cost of capital is going to go up if interest rates are much higher. And the other thing, too, that's sort of interesting about this you know, if you could buy a bond right now and get 10%, uh, and it doesn't even have to be completely risk-free, right? You could buy, let's say you could buy a 10-year bond, U.S. Treasury, and get 10%. Of course, you have market value risk because if interest rates go up, the value of those bonds go down and vice versa. So that's why we say that really the only true risk-free is on the very short end of the, the maturity uh, curve uh, because there's, there's less interest rate risk um, but yeah, if you could buy a 10-year bond right now for 10%, you might be like, wait a second, I can go into bonds and get 10%. And I know I have interest rate risk, but not the same risk as buying, let's say, some some stocks. You might opt to to just do the bond. And so the reason I bring that up is because with, with interest rates, bonds basically paying next to nothing, and you do have interest rate risk, especially further out on the curve, it's, it's just one of those things that... Um, a lot of investors, um, you know, just talk about this, the whole there is no other alternative. Um, a lot of investors are okay um, 
not being in bonds and being in stocks. And so, um, anyway, so I thought this is a question I get a lot, and I know I see it on CNBC, I see it on Bloomberg, and people are coming on. They're like, oh, you know, given where rates are, I don't think valuations are too high. Or given where rate, even as low as rates are, valuations are still too high, right? So it, it doesn't mean the valuations are high or low. It's just that the lower rates are, the lower the required rate of return is. And also it's the idea of where can people go to get a return? And when rates are this low, um, certainly on the U.S. Uh, Treasury curve, it's, uh, y- you know, y- your cost of equity goes down. And then bringing it back, remember I talked about the lemonade stand, and I probably botched that example. But it's just one of the measures, like if you were looking at fundamentals of how a company is doing when they reinvest profits, one of the, the ROIC, they call it, the return on invested capital, it's this whole idea of like, okay, we, we have profits, we can pay them out to shareholders, we can buy back stock, we can reinvest them in the business. And the idea is that when you, you reinvest money in the business, you hope that you get a return that's higher than your, your cost of capital, right? Sort of makes sense. And so the lower that cost of capital is, the less return they have to get uh, less return on invested capital to actually get over that hurdle of their, um, you know, the required uh, return on on the investment. So, gets a little little beyond, uh, you know, quick examples. So, a um, couple things to watch here. Um, you can, and I'll put a link to this to the the U.S. Treasury curve. Most people probably see on CNBC the different uh, yields, um, but you can you can take a look at the curve. And you can also go back, for example, if I go back to, let's see, 1999. And uh, let's see if it'll let me do this on this side if it does. Oh, there we go. Yeah, so 19, uh, January of 99. Let's see where we are here. Yeah, January of 99. I look and the three-month treasury was yielding 4.49%. Um Actually, the yield curve was pretty flat. Flat meaning, you know, 4.49, uh, the 10-year was 4.69. So in other words, the front month was very close to the back month. So you have a, a flat yield curve. But then we go, I mentioned, you know, 2007-ish. Let's look at 2007 and see what the what interest rates would have been back then. Yeah, uh, January 2007, the you had an inverted yield curve where the three-month was 5.07% yield. The 10-year is 4.68. So that was kind of an interesting time. Um, I'm going to go back to one, 96? 96 should be a, no, I can't. No, no, I can go back to 96. So I'll, I'll put a link to this in the show notes so you can check that out. Um, but yeah, I mean, you go back to, to 96 and you probably remember back then your bank account if you had a checking account, you're probably getting 4%, 5%. But yeah, the, the three month was about 5%. Uh, 30 year was, you know, just under 7%. So yeah, interest rates matter. And that's why I'll also link to an episode I did on the Buffett indicator because Warren Buffett uh, or people have taken comments he made. Uh, I think it was a Fortune article, but I'll, I'll link to the episode. I talk all about it. But they only they always look at you know the 
they, they call the market cap to GDP, the Buffett indicator. And those are never really adjusted for the cost of capital or what current interest rates are. So those who look at that and say, well, you know, the market is highly valued compared to previous years and the Buffett indicator, they never really look at interest rates. So I'll link to that episode as well, but keep that in mind. Um, as always, please uh, share this with someone that you think might enjoy it, uh, especially somebody who hasn't listened to a podcast before, and keep those comments and questions coming. Uh, this was another listener idea. Uh, they asked me to take a look and answer the question because they always watch uh, financial news networks and they hear people talking about it, but hopefully this kind of clears it up for you. All right, folks, we'll talk to you all next week. Bye.